How do you start your day? Do you hit the snooze button twice before you get out of bed? Do you kick the dog off the bed because he got onto your side? Do you take coffee before or after your shower? Or maybe you're one of those really distant people that runs or works out before you do anything else. But every day, we all have these practices that help us prepare for each day. And this ranges from what we eat to how we put on our socks. Right one first, left one first. We all have this set of routines. And it's the same way in our spiritual walk. We have to think of practices and how we prepare ourselves to receive from the Lord each day, every day, until His return. So let's jump over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll begin at verse 14. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 14, and I'm reading from the NIV today. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. If we're going to grow and be more like Jesus, then we have to develop practices. We have to develop disciplines that help us grow in holiness. John Wesley considered the daily reading of Scripture as necessary for Christian living. And look at what we just read from the Bible. Paul says that a thorough understanding of the Scripture is necessary to be useful to God or to be complete and equipped for good work. If you're a member of this church, when you joined this church, you were asked, do you profess the Christian faith as contained in the Old and New Testaments? And you said, I do. What we were asking is, will you make the Bible your story? And if you're going to make this Bible your story, if you're going to publicly confess Jesus as your Lord, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, if you're going to live out your faith, 
then you have to become a student of the Word. You have to know what the Bible teaches. You can't just rely on me. You can't just rely on some online preacher. Because look what Paul warns. He anticipates a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. So now, more than ever, the church needs a people who know the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You know, the truth is, this Bible is referenced in more literary works than any other piece of literature ever created. So the Bible is probably the most respected but least read book in our culture. Now, for the last two weeks, I've challenged you. I know I have. I've asked you to read the Bible in its historical and cultural context because I don't think Christianity is a brainless religion. I think you can bring your questions and you can do your research because the Bible stands up to criticism. You can be a scholar and have faith. And this means if we're going to be a student of the Word, that means that we need to know the Scripture. If we know the Scriptures, we will know when people are abusing them and trying to make the Bible say something that it doesn't. But that also means that if we believe this Bible is true, then we had better treat it as the truth. That means that we need to read it and digest it and try to live it out. And just a word of caution. If our study of the Bible leaves us with more doubt than faith, we're in trouble. Because when doubt dominates faith, you don't have to tell anyone. Everyone can tell. It becomes obvious in all that you do. A number of years ago, when the World Council of Churches met in San Antonio, a bishop, he wasn't one of ours, but he could have been one of ours, he stood up and he went to the microphone and he said, you know, we could get a lot closer to other faiths and other world religions if we could just stop emphasizing Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. We need to say Jesus is a way, but He's not the only way. You can be saved in other great religions, just like you can in Christianity. When that well-meaning but misguided bishop sat down, a little man, a bishop from Pakistan, got up and he went to the podium. And he said, If what my brother has just said is true, then I must leave this assembly at once and return to Pakistan and tell my people that there's no need to die. There's 215 million Christians suffering around this world right now because of their faith. People need Jesus. But when we no longer believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, 
when we no longer believe that Jesus is of the utmost importance for every living person, then that attitude surfaces in our, in our approach to preaching and evangelism and in our teaching and in all areas of our work in the church. Because remember, we weren't the first to say that Jesus is the way. He said it. Jesus said it. And his claim holds us. When we no longer firmly believe the scriptures, it shows itself in many devastating ways. And the sad thing is, we're partly to blame for what's happened to us. We're partially to blame for the loss of biblical authority. A couple years ago, some Hollywood directors and producers were asked, how many people go to church? You know how many people they think go to church? They said, maybe 1%. The interviewer asked, would you believe 40%? And those producers said, never. I wouldn't believe that. I would have thought 2% at most. We don't even know anybody who goes to church. And these are the people shaping the thoughts and conversations and beliefs of American culture. But there was a time, if you go up to Williamsburg, you'll see it. All the governmental officials had to sit under the Word of God every Sunday. Even the president had an assigned seat. And they made their decisions in light of the whole Word of God being preached Sunday after Sunday. So this Sunday, as we talk about reading the Bible and growing your soul, where do you start? Start with one of the Gospels. Begin with the life of Jesus. And learn to re read the Bible both to learn the content, but also as a devotional exercise. And buy a good study Bible. Yes, this Bible is all that you need to know for salvation. It's all you need to know for the truth. But if you want to really dig in and be a real student, get a good study Bible. Because what you want to do is you want to evaluate your insights and compare those to people who have given a lifetime to biblical studies. Because part of what we are to learn as a church is how to study the Bible in private and in the company of others. And when we're in the company of others with us or just us in our study Bible, we will be shaped, we will be focused, and sometimes we will be corrected by others. And whenever you spend some time in the pages of this Bible, it won't take you long to realize that you're not reading the Bible. The Bible's reading you. That's why John Wesley, who wrote several books, called himself a man of one book, the Bible. And this Bible is the church's book. It's the ultimate authority by which all theologies and all doctrines are tested. And we... As Methodists, we have a great heritage in understanding the Bible and that we read it from the perspective of tradition and reason and experience. James Black was a great Scottish preacher 
And he said, if the church puts the Bible on the shelf, the church will not be far behind. Do you remember that story of Jesus? When he was 12 years old, his family took him to the temple and they left him behind. Now, it's not that hard to do. The men and the women didn't travel together in those days. The women would go in one group, the men in the other. The children went with the women. And Jesus is 12. He's supposed to be a man now. And Mary's walking along and she's probably crying a little bit, saying, He grew up way too fast. Joseph is walking along and he's probably grinning and thinking, I'm going to tease Jesus tonight. He's already forgotten that he's a man now. And they get to their camp at the end of a long day's journey. They get to the camp and they look at each other and they realize that they've only been supposing that Jesus was in their company. It's a terrible thing to get to the end of a long day and night falls and realize that you've just been supposing that you've been in the company of Jesus. That's when you reach down for some spiritual resources and you discover they ain't there. It's a terrible thing to have that midnight cry go out and realize you don't have any oil in your lamps. And you can't borrow it from your friends. They sounded unchristian in that parable, didn't they? Go and get your own oil. But the truth is, you can lend everything else. But you can't lend spiritual maturity. You can't lend faith. You can't lend spiritual preparation. Either we've said our prayers or we haven't. E. Stanley Jones says, We go bankrupt spiritually for the same reason businesses go bankrupt. Too much business with too little in income. Too much business with too little input. So today we close by just asking this question. Will you renew your promise to make God's story your story? Will you commit to reading your Bible? And if you do, if you make reading your Bible a daily discipline, you won't be the same. God will change you. God will start to work in your life and change you from the inside out.